Good morning, everyone, and welcome to City of Hope Church Sunday Service Online. We're so glad that you are joining us this morning. We're about to begin a sermon series in the book of Daniel. We're going to try to go through the book of Daniel the best that we can. We may skip a few parts here and there, but, but this particular sermon this morning I want to call When in Babylon. Now, you'll understand uh, the reason for the title of that message as we unpack this sermon but I believe that the book of Daniel really speaks into the time and the situation uh, that we find ourselves in right now. Now, at the beginning of this year, we understood that it was uh, an election year and everybody begins to, to, to know and feel and sense that, man, if we're, we're entering into an election year, there's going to be a lot of divide. There's going to be political wars. There's going to be a lot of conflict. But nobody could have ever imagined the kind of conflict that we are facing on a political level and, and, and all sorts of different levels with, with, with racial issues, with the coronavirus, with, with, with Trump and the elections, with all these things going on. There seems to be such division. And at the same time, there are ideologies and philosophies that are running rampant and it's becoming increasingly difficult to be a Christian even in America which was once considered a Christian nation to some degree. But we see that, that there's this pull going on and, 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 and folks are being pu pulled to the left and folks are being pulled to the right. But what you see in the book of Daniel is actually a people of God that knew God. They had a relationship with Yahweh. They lived in Israel. They lived in a nation that lived to worship God. They knew the ways of God and they lived for Him. And then all of a sudden, in a moment of time, they were exiled from Israel, from the true worship of God, into a place called Babylon. And in Babylon... There was no true worship of the true God any longer. There were false gods. There were different ideologies. There were different ways of thinking. And Babylon sought to dominate and control everyone that it got its hands on and to change the way they see the world, to change the gods that they worship, to change their viewpoints of life. And that is the spirit that is at work in our world today. Right now in our world today, the spirit of Babylon is still working. And it's very interesting because the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are tied together with one another. They're both considered apocalyptic literature. Now, apocalyptic, uh, it sounds like it, you're talking about the end of the world. And in some ways, I guess that's, that, that, that's what the word has become, uh, its meaning has become. But apocalyptic literally means revelation. It means something that you could not see before is all of a sudden unveiled to you. And in the book of Daniel, God is revealing to Daniel certain things that were going to come to pass in the future while he was in the middle of this ungodly place called Babylon. In the book of Revelation, it begins to talk about this mystery of Babylon. And, and, and while Babylon was a nation that Daniel was exiled into, it was a literal physical nation that was in history. It's also a spirit that is in it at work at work in our world today and has been at work from the very beginning of time. And, and we understand this, we see this, because even when we're looking at a political divide and everything that's going on in the world today, everybody is focusing on what they see, but they're not focusing on what is not seen. Because we as Christians, we understand that this is not a, a war or a battle against a person or, or people or groups of people or even political parties. This is a war that we are fighting against demonic principalities and powers that are influencing people away, for, away from the ways of God, away from the truth of God's Word. And it's important that we know the truth, that we're rooted and grounded in truth, so that we don't enter into the sway of that same Babylonian spirit that is trying to take over in our world. Now, 
A lot of Christians, even right now, they're, they're being swayed politically right, they're being swayed politically left, but the Spirit of God is trying to lift you up above right or left so that you look above and you're not swayed one direction or either because we have got to get beyond politics and we have got to become kingdom-minded people. God is bringing His kingdom and He is establishing His kingdom even now in measure through those who believe in Him and we cannot afford to be influenced by the ways of this world, by by the ideologies of this world and by the spirit of this world. It's important that we're filled with the spirit of God. And what you see in the book of Daniel is you literally see the spirit of God and the spirit of Babylon at war with one another. Now, ultimately, the spirit of God is far more powerful, but we have to participate with the spirit of God and understand that the spirit of this world, the spirit of Babylon is at work to draw us away from God. We've got to see that we've got to become aware of that. Now, the spirit of Babylon, it was at work throughout history. It was at work in Nazi Germany whenever they killed 10 million Jews. It, it's been at work in drug cartels and, and, and murdering and human trafficking here today. Today in our world, it's at work in, in, in political campaigns and social agendas and all sorts of other things that are going on in our world to sway people away from the truth of God. The spirit of Babylon is at work. And the spirit of Babylon seeks to overtake every single sphere of our world. It is at work in politics. It's at work in education. It's at work in our, in our morality and we, what we're now defining as right or wrong or good or evil. It's at work in our philosophy. It's at work in how you parent your children. It's at work in how people should think about what they are as, as, as a gender, as, as a human being. It's at work in all of these things trying to bring confusion because what you have to understand is that Babylon literally means confusion. That's what it means. And in our world, there's this mass of confusion that is trying to water down the truth of God. And we ourselves right now are living in Babylon. You say, well, we're living in America. No, in our world today, there is a spirit at work and the book of Revelation lays it out and says that this mystery of Babylon is, it is at work in our world. And we have a choice as, the Christian, as Christian people to either live in Babylon or do what the scripture tells us and come out and live rather in the kingdom of God. And while we're in this world, we are not of this world because we are kingdom people. We live in the kingdom of God. We live from the kingdom of God. And that's where we will end up in the end. So the first thing that the spirit of Babylon seeks to do is the spirit of Babylon seeks to tame you. Now in Daniel chapter 1 verses 1 through 2 it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. And so what you see is that Nebuchadnezzar sends the Babylonian army and he attacks Israel, he sacks the temple, and he brings the worship of the true God, Yahweh, into Shinar, into the temple of these false gods. Now, one of the things you got to understand in our culture that is very prevalent is there is a move and a shift away from any kind of narrow-minded thinking as they would say that there's only one God and there's only one way to this God. But any spirit 
or any, any declaration that would say that there are many gods or that there are many ways to God is the spirit of Babylon at work and it is not the spirit of God. There is one true God and He's a good God. He's a loving God and He is a God that has sent Jesus Christ, His only Son, to die for you so that you might have eternal life. He's the one that comes to bring truth. He's the one that comes to bring life to all people. And all other ways are ultimately ways that although they may seem good, they ultimately lead to destruction. Now, what you need to also understand is that, see, God, the one who has made all things and has given us all things, He ultimately owns all things. He, has you, he owns your wallet. He owns your house. He owns your car. Everything that you have is ultimately not your own, but it's God's. And He has given you management or stewardship of these things. And see, that's the same thing that He did with Israel because some people might ask, well, why in the world would God allow Israel, His people, the people that He chose for the Messiah to come through, why would He allow them to be exiled? Well, it's, it, it's because for 490 years they disobeyed Him because every seventh year they were supposed to rest the land. And for 490 years they failed to rest the land, but they continued to just labor it and work it over and over again. And we know scientifically now that when we, when we fail to rest the land, it actually it depletes the soil of nutrients. So that's just a reality that God weaved into life. And any, here's the thing, anytime we do something opposite God, it may seem good, it may seem like progress, but ultimately it depletes life. And that's, that's, that's what was happening to them. So God comes to them. Now, now some of you parents, can you imagine your child disobeying you for 490 years ongoing? I mean, at some point you're going to be like, you know, I mean, somewhere maybe into the hundredth year, you're going to be like, boys, maybe I need to pick a switch right here or something like that. Well, see, God, after 490 years, even though he is amazingly patient, he uses Nebuchadnezzar and he uses Babylon as a switch, so to speak, in order to discipline his children. And when we come in and we see this, we see that God is so patient that he allows it to go on. But see, nobody, nobody regardless, there's a lot of people that live and they reject Jesus. They choose to live in ungodly ways. They choose to, to resist the love and the drawing of the Lord God and what He wants to do in their life. And they think that somehow they're getting away with it because God is patient. But listen, there is a day of reckoning. There's a day of judgment coming for every single person in which we will have to give an account for the things that we have done in our body. And Jesus has come so that if we receive His salvation and we turn to Him, we do not have to face that judgment alone because He has stood in the gap for us on our behalf to receive any punishment that we may deserve. That is an amazing gift. That is an amazing gift. But when we look in these scriptures that we just read here in the beginning, we see a few different characters. The first one that we see is Daniel. Now Daniel, when he goes into Babylon, he's just a teenager. He's just a young boy and the book covers 69 years of his life and him going into his 80s. Now he's a prisoner of war. He goes on a 700 mile walk into exile. He's on this 700 mile walk into exile. And it leads me to believe, look, I know, I know a lot of people are saying, look, I'm having a hard time right now. I'm having a difficult time. Life is hard. We've lost some things. Some things are not going well. I don't, I don't know about my future. No matter how hard you've got it, I bet you didn't have it worse than Daniel. He was taken away from his family, away from his home, away from his God. He, was, he became a slave. He became a eunuch. And he was he walked 700 miles into this place where he was abused, he was hungry, he was exhausted, he was dehydrated, and he was innocent. He followed God even while he was in Israel. He was innocent, but yet he was suffering. 
And sometimes there's this idea that even in the book of Daniel when we preach it, we get this idea that if you are faithful to God, then you won't, you won't face any suffering. That's just not the truth. Even Daniel himself was always faithful to God, but he faced suffering. He became a eunuch. Some people say, well, see, but God delivered him from the lions then. Do you know what becoming a eunuch is? It means that he, it means that he was literally castrated and he was enslaved. I mean, if that happens to me, throw me to the lions. You know what I'm saying? Like he had a difficult time in life, but he remained faithful to God his entire time throughout Babylon. We also sing King Jehoiakim. And there's a reason that God handed Israel over into King Nebuchadnezzar's hands because King Jehoiakim, even though the people loved him because he told them what they wanted to hear while they were in their sin and rebellion against God, God rejected him because he got to such a point of rebellion against God that the Bible says that he literally burnt the Scriptures. He set them on fire. And in our world today, what we have are leaders and, 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 and influencers that are moving away from God. And what they literally want to do in a spiritual sense is to burn and to destroy the Word of God and its validity and its power in our world. And that is what he did. That is what he sought to do. We also see King Nebuchadnezzar who comes in and he takes over King Jehoiakim. He takes over Israel. He's from Babylon. But he is an antichrist type because he desires to be worshipped. And he's so egotistical that he says, you know what? You know what the world would be better with is if we had a 90-foot statue of me. That's, that's the kind of guy that Nebuchadnezzar is. And he brings... Through the spirit of Babylon, he's creating this counterfeit worship. He's taking the worship of God and bringing it into the worship of false gods. And he brings all these things, it says, to the land of Shinar. Now, Shinar is a place that was in Babel or Babylon in the beginning all the way back to Genesis 11. In Genesis 11, we see that all of humanity was joining together as one against God. And they said, we will make a name for ourselves. We won't make a name for God. We'll make a name for ourselves. It's humanism that is still at work in our world today. And God looks down and he says, these people that are united against me, because they are united, nothing will be withheld from their hands. And he realized that if they went forward in that, they were going to bring destruction to the world. So he confused their languages and he separated them. That's what Babel is. It is a confusion. It's a mix. And he separated them. There was a confusion. There was a mixture. But the point that I want to make here, this first point that I want to make is that unified unbelievers are more powerful than divided believers. Right now we've got a lot of unified unbelievers in our world and they seem to be more powerful than the church because in the church we've got a lot of divided believers. And we'd have to understand that Satan is trying to unify the world against God and against the ways of God. And the only way that the church is going to, to be able to counteract that in spiritual warfare is that if we come together in unity around the word of God and the truth of God in the spirit of God. Because look, this spirit of Babylon is at work in our world, not just to enslave all the people in the world, but to bring Christians out from the true worship of God into false worship. And we see it at work even in the church today. And so we have to be very careful and we have to make a stand and live countercultural according to the ways of God. The second thing, the second thing that the spirit of Babylon seeks to do is the spirit of Babylon seeks to train you. So it seeks to tame you, but secondly, it seeks to train you. 
In Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, it says, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Now, Daniel and his friends were a special group of guys, man. They had a high IQ. They were intelligent. Like if they, if they took the ACT, they'd have made at least a 30 and above. They had a high IQ, but they also had a high EQ. Like they, they knew how to socially uh, engage people. They knew how to, to honor people. They were pleasant. They knew how to entertain. Not only that, they were good looking. They were going to make the king look good. So he says, hey, y'all go, the master of the eunuchs, the master of the slaves, come and bring me some good looking boys who are smart because I'd like to use them for my purposes. And I would like to, to bring them into my kingdom and get some good use out of them. Now, what they're doing in this spirit of Babylon in this is that they're using fear. They're using all sorts of different things and they're bringing a different mentality into the world. And they are about to use what, we, what, what you might consider reverse evangelism. When we talk about evangelism, we're talking about going into a lost world who doesn't know God to, to preach the gospel to them, to tell them that God loves them and that he sent Jesus Christ to them to deliver them from literally this evil world system and from the power of sin so that they can have eternal life and they can live a new life. But what the spirit of Babylon does is it seeks to go out in reverse evangelism and take those who might know God and bring them out into a system where they begin to believe differently about sexual immorality. They begin to believe differently about family and marriage. They begin to believe differently about all their morals and their values in their world and they start to be trained. And see the University of Babylon it seeks to disconnect and decommit Every Christian, it seeks to disconnect and decommit Daniel from the Lord and adopt Antichrist philosophies. I can remember when I first went to, went to, uh, um, to college, it was almost like they overplayed their hand with me. Because I, I really was not living for God at all. I was living for pleasure and whatever felt good in that moment. But I started to be introduced to so many philosophies that were blatantly anti-God that I started to think to myself, if this stuff right here is true, boys, we've got no hope. And it convicted me in my heart and in my spirit. But see, colleges and our universities and our educational systems have been influenced by the spirit of Babylon and they seek to brainwash us and brainwash our children so that the next generation is completely anti-God and they're united against him. Now, I know that's a difficult thing to hear and understand, but that is what is at work in our world today. And see, the thing about Daniel is, is he did not have generational rebellion or youthful indiscretion in his adolescence. Because a lot of times with our kids, what we do is we see the spirit of Babylon at work in them, training them to be anti-God through media and through entertainment, through the music they listen to. They're slowly being trained to be against God. And what we say as a cultural Christian is we say, well, you know, our kids, man, they got a little season there. They got to sow their wild oats. They got to do this stuff and that stuff. And, and here's the thing. I did that when I was young, but your kids do not have to do that. You say, but Clay, you got such a wonderful testimony and that's just what a lot of kids do and God brought you out. But yeah, you know what? I don't want my kid to have my same testimony. I want my kid to have a testimony that he was raised to understand that Babylon was not what he was made and designed for and that he was growing strong as a Christian, as a teenager, that he knew God and that when he went into Babylon, he was so rooted and grounded in his faith that nothing could shake him. That's what Daniel 
teaches us. Daniel teaches us that you don't have to go crazy first. Daniel teaches us that you don't have to get saved out of this world, that you can know God in this world and that Jesus can save you and you can remain strong when the rest of the world is going crazy. And that's what we ought to pray for our children. Don't let, parents, do not let the spirit of Babylon in this world cast a false prophecy over your kid that they're going to have to go crazy for a little while because they do not have to do it. It is your responsibility to show them that right there that you're watching, that right there that you're listening to is not of God. That that is of the spirit of Babylon and tell them why it is. Bring the word of God to them and say, this is why this is going to destroy your life. That is not true. That's false. That's going to lead you into er to error. And see, in Israel, they taught Daniel that. So when he comes into Babylon, he knows what to do. And in Daniel chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, it says, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Now they were educated for three years and then they were going to stand before the king. I want you to notice that. They were going to be trained. They were going to get a bachelor's degree, so to speak, in the university. They were going to be trained and then they were going to stand before judgment before the king Nebuchadnezzar. What I want you to understand is that we are in a training right now, but we're going to stand before a far greater king and he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus Christ. So I don't want to put all my eggs in the basket of my college degrees or, or my ACT scores or even my career, how much money I make or how big my house is or even how good my ministry becomes. I want to put all my eggs in the basket of did I live for Jesus Christ the way that he called me to live because ultimately it doesn't, it doesn't matter who else judges me. I want to stand before Jesus Christ and be judged and him say well done my good and faithful servant. But, but see the spirit of Babylon is a counterfeit culture in which you start to begin to feel like you are standing in the judgment of the world around you and the problem with the world around us today is that we fear man we fear what people believe in politics more than we fear God. And when that starts to happen, we start to bow down to all sorts of other people and things other than God. And see, in Babylon, there were three different kinds of people. There were godly people like Daniel, like Hananiah, like the rest of them. And they were tempted. They were tempted with comfort, with food, with drink, with rebellious identity, with all of these things that they could have done but they remain godly. There are also godless people in Babylon. And these are people that were actually doing the tempting. And we see that in our world today. And they're trying to get people to join them in what they're doing that is, that is against the ways of God. But then thirdly, there are actually Jewish people in Babylon, believers in God, who are now adopting the false gods and bowing the knee to Nebuchadnezzar and worshiping the false gods and living for the king's uh, ways, eating the king's food, drinking the key, king's drink, and worshiping his God. So the question that I would have to you is in Babylon, we're in Babylon, but are you living godly? Are you living ungodly? Or are you just confusing? Because what I'm finding now is that most Christians, are they're just confusing. It's like, okay, the, 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 I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm still doing these things that I know are against the kingdom of God and His ways. And that becomes very confusing. But thirdly, 
here's what I want you to understand that the spirit of, of Babylon seeks to do. And that is the spirit of Babylon seeks to rename you. Seeks to rename you. See, their parents gave them, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. They gave them names that were prophetic, that demonstrated that they were followers of God, that they were devoted to the Lord. But Babylon sought to rename them by calling them certain things. And the, the spirit of Babylon is at work right now calling people intolerant and a, and a bigot or unloving or unkind or hypocritical, ultimately to push them away from their stance in the truth. But see, their Hebrew names, look at this. Look at their Hebrew names. So Daniel's name literally means God is my judge. But they change his name to Belshazzar, which means Baal protects his life. Now Daniel's name is prophetic and it prophesies his life because it's essentially saying, look, Nebuchadnezzar can judge me. The world can judge me. Babylon can judge me. I don't care. Satan can judge me, but I don't care. The people around me can judge me, but I don't care because I live for one and ultimately the only judge that I fear, the only judge that I stand before is the one true God. And He is the one that will be my judge. And He knows that at the end, He even says in Daniel 12 too, that those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall arise and they will stand before the judge of all. And ultimately that is what matters most. But it says that He changed His name to Baal protects His life. And Baal is a demon God and it is a false sense of world a worldly sense of false protection there's a spirit at work to say look God can't protect you God can't keep you and he moves him into a different God now Hananiah is another one and Hananiah's name means Yahweh is gracious but they changed Hananiah's name to Shadrach which means the command of Aku. Now this is just a different God. And ultimately, Satan doesn't care what God you worship or what thing you worship or what you turn to, whether it be money or sex or drugs or whatever you turn to, whatever God you worship, Satan doesn't care so long as you're not worshiping the one true God. And one of the things that Satan is convincing our world is that God is actually a commanding dictator, hateful, angry God. But nothing could be further from the truth. I know that there are ways that, 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 that we live that God does not agree with. And, and, and He says, no, you can't live that way. But ultimately, I need you to understand that no matter how you're living, Yahweh is gracious. God is gracious and He lovingly calls you back. He says, turn from that and come to me and you will experience how much I love you, how much I care for you. Because as long as you hold on to that thing, you will never truly experience that love. There's an emptiness inside of you that you know about that God is trying to fulfill. And He's not an angry God. He is a gracious God. Mishael's name means what or who is what God is. And they changed his name to Meshach, which means who is what Aku is. So they're actually trying to magnify this demon God above God. And right now the spirit of Babylon is trying to magnify all sorts of things above the one true God. But nothing, we cannot allow coronavirus or anything else be magnified above the power of the one true God. And then lastly, Azariah says that they change his name, which means Yahweh is my helper, to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. So the servant of Nebo, Nebo was a false god that was the god of wisdom and literature and writing. And, and ultimately, it was, it was, he was the keeper of the tablets of destiny. It's this idea that if you, if you get educated in the ways of Babylon, ultimately your destiny would unfold before you. If you go to college and get a degree and follow the ways of the world, man, you, you'll have success in life. It's that lie. But see, what you've got to understand is that do not follow the ways of the world because Yahweh is your helper and He will always be with you. And as long as you follow Him, He will bless you and show you in the way that you should go. Now, they never... When they're speaking of themselves, they never 
attribute their, these, these names, these Babylonian names, but they stick with their names. Why? Because they know who they are. And if you know who you are, it doesn't matter what anyone else has to say. If you know who you are, it doesn't matter what anyone else has to say. The world can try to rename you, but when you know you're a child of God, you are forgiven. You are His beloved. You've been washed clean. You're a new creation. You're not who you used to be. You have eternal life. And ultimately, you're going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ forever on this earth. It doesn't matter who pressures you anymore because you know who you are. And it doesn't matter what anybody else has to say. This entire battle is between the spirit of Babylon and the spirit of God that's at work in our lives. And they see, if you read the book of Daniel, I encourage you to read it, but if you read it, they see over and over again that the Spirit of God is at work in Daniel's life. And the first thing I want, the first point I want to give you uh, in this comparison between the Spirit of Babylon and the Spirit of God is that the Spirit of God sends you, number one. The Spirit of God sends you. Daniel 1 verse 8 and 9 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Notice what it says, Daniel purposed and resolved in himself. Sometimes you have to purpose it in your heart and resolve within yourselves, I'm not going to allow myself to be defiled. Man, the spirit of Babylon is at work, especially in difficult times, to bring you into a place where you're ready to receive things that are not of God and allow yourself to be defiled. But God will give you a supernatural grace to say, no, that's not something that, that's for me. That's not of God. I'm going to reject that right now in my life. I'm not going to allow it in. And God will give you favor because of it. In verse 10, it says, And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord the King, who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. See, the spirit of Babylon rules through fear. This servant says, look, Daniel, I'm, I like you, man, but I fear my Lord the king. And if, I don't, if, if you're not looking good at the end of this thing, then he's going to have my head. He is going to cut my head off. And so in verse 11, it says, So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, you know God is working when you choose to be a vegetarian willfully. But verse 13, it says, Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants." So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. See, there's always a counterfeit, and this is a counterfeit meal that the king is offering. Now the meal that we eat as Christians, we eat the Lord's Supper when Jesus invites us to receive of His body and of His blood. But this is a counterfeit meal. And Satan says, look, I'll give you all of these things, all of these nice things I will give you if you'll simply bow down and worship me. But see, they are rejecting all of this because to eat the king's delicacies would be to defile them because it was against their dietary restrictions. It was against what God had in place for them. And so they're very courteous and respectful. The thing you've got to notice about Daniel is when he turns down the king or he says anything to the king, he's not, he's not a rude. Christian. 
He's not an angry Christian. He's courteous. He's respectful. He disagrees, but he gives them an option even though he has a resolute attitude. He's like, hey, listen, y'all. Why don't you try this? Why don't you test us 10 days and give us the chance to see if something different is going to happen? And see, Daniel has faith, and faith is giving up control of your future. I want to say that again. Faith is giving up control of the future. A lot of us, man, we seek to control our future, but Daniel says, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'm going to relinquish control and remain loyal to the Lord regardless of what happens. And because he has that faith over and over again and he puts it into God's hands, God does a supernatural miracle. It's the same way with the three Hebrew children. Whenever they're getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace, they say, look, we don't know if God's going to deliver us or not. But whether he does or not, we still ain't going to bow down and worship your God. They had faith that allowed them to give up control of their future. To say, look, it's in God's hands. I'm not going to sit and worry about it and try to control it any longer. I'm going to give it to God. And here's the other thing that they do. They choose to do what is right even if everything goes wrong. Everything went wrong in their life. They lost their family. They're teenagers in exile, enslaved eunuchs. But they're still saying, you know what? We're not going to compromise. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to leave our God that we love. We're going to follow His ways. They could have sat and complained and said, well, if God was real, if God really loved me, we would not be in exile. We would not be here as slaves. But they didn't say that. They didn't question God one moment. They said, I know who my God is. I love Him. And I'm going to do what's right, even if everything else goes wrong. And another important point that you need to understand, just a real important point for you, is that your place of work is your place of witness. Your place of work is your place of witness. That's the way that it was for Daniel. The way that he demonstrated God to everybody was he was going to work every day in the kingdom of Babylon. And you're going to work every day in the kingdom of Babylon. And people are watching you. This servant was watching Daniel. The king was watching Daniel. And many of the trials that he had and many of the trials that you will have will be on your job. And that is where you're going to have the greatest influence for the kingdom of God. So do not let Babylon seep into you at your job and pull you away and weaken you. You draw from the Spirit of God, and that's the second thing that the Spirit of God is going to do. The Spirit of God strengthens you. The Spirit of God strengthens you. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 17 through 20, it says, As for those four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm." Now notice, they were tested for 10 days. They declare basically a fast, said we're not going to defile ourselves. And because they do that, 10 in the Bible is actually a number that represents testing. And right now people are going through testing times. We're being put to pressure. The truth about who we are is coming to the surface. And right now I believe people that I'm talking to, you've been going through some times where you feel extremely tested and challenged and tried. 
But when you go through this season and you remain faithful to God in this season, He's going to do something supernatural in you. And because they were tested these 10 days, following God, rejecting the ways of Babylon, rejecting the spirit of Babylon, after those 10 days, they found them 10 times better than all the magicians, all the astrologers, everyone else, because of their commitment to the Lord. They remain faithful to God. And see, you need the spirit of God and you need godly friends around you right now. And, and, and that's difficult because we've been isolated and we've been cut off, but you've got to have the Spirit of God and you've got to have godly friends around you and you've got to be willing to be committed to Jesus and His ways in the midst of dark times. And if you are, you're going to find favor on your life. Now here's the last thing that the Spirit of God does. And that is that the Spirit of God sustains you. The Spirit of God sustained Daniel throughout his time. See in Daniel verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 21, it says that thus... Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. And what that's basically saying is that Daniel lived 69 years in Babylon out into his 80s. And you got to realize this, he literally outlived the Babylonian Empire. It came to an end in his reign. Babylon gets conquered by King Cyrus, who is a Persian king over in Iran, modern-day Iran. And by the time he comes in and takes over Babylon, Daniel is still standing. And what you've got to understand is that this is the future fate of the children of God. Kingdoms are going to come and go. Kingdoms are going to rise and fall. There are going to be presidential elections. There are going to be nations come to an end. There are going to be coronaviruses. There are going to be demons. But when all the demons are done, all the viruses are done, every nation has fallen and the children of God will still be standing with Jesus Christ on this earth, ruling and reigning with Him for eternity. That's a picture of who we are, that we're going to outlive the empires of this world. We're going to outlive the nations of this world because in Christ we have a new kingdom that is coming and it's greater even than America. As much as I love America, as much as you love America, hallelujah, it's July 4th coming up, the kingdom of God trumps America. Amen. I feel that right there. America's good. Praise God, I'm a patriot. But it is not better than the kingdom of God. And America will fall short in following the ways of God in the future to come because no empire is fully devoted to the Lord. No kingdom, no president, no king is fully devoted to God. And that's the world that we live in. That's the, that's the reality that we have to come into grips with. That this world and its kingdoms are passing away, but those who follow the will of God will come to a kingdom and that is not cut with hands and it's coming and we're going to live with him forever the same way that Daniel outlived this. See, Daniel never compromised his faith in Babylon and what he got to see is he saw three godless kings ultimately who wanted him to bow his knee. Ultimately, they bowed their knee and said, Daniel, your God is the true God. He saw three kings do that. Why? Because he remained faithful to God in dark times and he did not give up. Now three times in those scriptures that we just read, it says the Lord gave. It says the Lord gave them favor. He gave them learning and skill. And he actually gave them over into Babylon because of their rebellion. But see, God has given us something. Man, God's given us southeastern Kentucky. God's given us Clay County. God's given you your family. He's given you a sphere of influence in which you need to be, to, to be impacting. He's giving you wisdom. He's giving you skills. He's giving you what you need. He's giving you the Word of God to stay strengthened, to stay sustained during these difficult times. And He wants you to be sustained. But see, the most important thing that God has given all of us, 
and that we got to tell everybody is that God has given us His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And some of you that are listening to me, you've been brainwashed by Babylon. And some of you have family members that have been brainwashed by Babylon and God is saying you can come out from that place and, and, and you can receive my Son Jesus Christ. You can receive salvation. You can be transformed. You can be changed. I myself experienced it. I came out from the philosophies, from the ideas of this world, man, and I gave my life to Jesus and he transformed me. And look, I know that the world looks dark right now. I can't imagine. I was talking with a buddy of mine. I cannot imagine what people are going through who literally believe there is no God and there is no hope of a future kingdom. I can't imagine because the world is literally crumbling around us. And how could there be any hope? There's only hope that's found in Jesus Christ, and that is who we have got to fix our eyes on. That is where we have to look during this season, because right now the spirit of Babylon is at work. But we need to pray, Lord Jesus, come and fill us with your spirit. Come and forgive us of our sins. Help us to focus on you. Fill us, God, with your Holy Spirit so that we can resist the spirit of Babylon, that we can discern this unseen realm that, that, is, that is going on and the war that's taking place around us, and so that we can follow your truth in the midst of darkness. So I just want to bless you right now. Father, I just pray for each person that's listening. God, that you would bless them in their homes. I pray, God, that this word, that you would cause it to go forth into their hearts, Lord Jesus. That it would take root, that it would transform them, that it would change them. And Lord, if there's anybody on the fence that's just struggling with what's going on in their life or, 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 or looking to make a decision when it comes to God, I pray that you would give them the courage, you'd give them the faith, Lord, to... to to step out right now to receive Jesus, to believe in Him, and, and, and to be rooted and grounded. And I pray for all believers right now that just like Daniel, Lord, you would establish us, you would strengthen us in our faith so that while this confusion, while this spirit of Babylon is at work, Lord, we would choose rather to be filled with your spirit and be strengthened and be sustained, Lord God, and ultimately be sent out into the world, Lord, so that you can change others' lives through what you're doing in our hearts. God, we thank you for it and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. We thank you so much for joining us this morning. We love you. Have a good day.